Hello again, friends. Welcome back to The Overview Effect with James Perrin. This is my podcast where I like to talk about big picture issues on environmentalism and nature and humanity and all things good. And, you know, I'm not interested in the ticky-tacky, fiddling at the margins, little kind of stuff. I want to cut straight to the core of the issues and I can absolutely guarantee you that today's episode does just that. It is such a good one. I can't wait for you to listen. I, of course, want to start by acknowledging that this podcast, this episode, was recorded on Bunjalung country in the northern rivers of New South Wales. Beautiful country, and I want to pay respects to members of the Bunjalung community and First Nations people all around Australia. Now, it's coming up to July, and we're going to start to see it all over social media. Many people use July to take part in Plastic Free July, which, you know, is an opportunity to assess and eliminate plastic use for a month and really have less impact on our planet. Um, We're going to see it all over social media, so I thought I'd get ahead of the game here and have a conversation with the expert herself, someone who hasn't used single-use plastics in over 12 years, Plastic Free Mermaid. And the thing about this conversation is it's not just about some plastic reduction tips and tricks. You know, I'm not fiddling at the margins here. It's not about virtue signaling. This is about how plastics are a very visual and very tangible example of our consumerist habits and lifestyle. And plastics really paints a picture of how we are enmeshed in a system which is damaging. So in this conversation, we talk about a lot of things. We talk about the pervasiveness and the horrific broad-scale impacts of plastics, you know, not just about a straw or a coffee cup in the ocean, but like major pollution problems in developing countries, the issues of microplastics in our food system, the disruption of our endocrine system, the ties that the plastics industry has to the global oil industry, and and much more. Uh, We go into detail issues with the recycling industry, how it's actually a downcycling industry that just delays the inevitable pathway of plastics into our environment that was really created by the oil industry to convince us that plastics are okay to use, to accept them. We talk about environmental communication and we break down some examples of what works well and draws people in versus approaches that fragment and divide people. And, you know, we use the example of seaspiracy as an example of this. So we dive into that. But what we really get to with this conversation, really the core of it, is about how plastics are such a visible example of our general lack of accountability or responsibility of the impacts of our own lifestyle. You know, we've got this put it in a bin and it's gone mentality. You know, we oh, it's going to be recycled. It's all looked after for us. And it is so representative of our consumerist way of living that is imposed on us. But here's the thing, once we step out of this paradigm, and for her, for my guest today, for her it was quitting plastics, and you can go and read her book, I Quit Plastics, once we step out of that paradigm, we realize, hang on, I just stepped out of that way of living, what else can I do? What else in my life can I take responsibility and accountability for? Because that's what's lacking. So this plastic-free July, don't just cut out a straw or a cup, 
really take stock of your buying habits and take your own responsibility and accountability into your own hands. Take your sovereignty back for the way you live your lifestyle. And this is a great conversation to get you started down that track. So please enjoy this one with Plastic Free Mermaid, Kate Nelson. In. Yeah, All right, do it. let's do it. Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you, James. Thanks for having me. Pleasure, absolute pleasure. It's the we're sitting outside on a beautiful day, just tucked behind Lennox, and this is the best place to be. <laughs> yeah, got lots of banksias and boulder brushes and passion fruit vines and beautiful birds singing. So good, so good. Um, I want to kick off by asking you the same question that I ask all of my guests, which is really the inspiration behind the show and these conversations I'm trying to have. So thinking about that that overview effect, this experience that astronauts have when they first view Earth from space and describe this kind of overwhelming sense of connection to our world and everything on it. Um, Have you had any moments or periods of time in your life where you've had a similar kind of paradigm-changing view of the world? Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I love that overview effect. I love, I I hadn't heard that before um, learning about your podcast. And it's an incredible analogy for having that sort of like awakening, that moment where we really, um, our perspective is just totally um, shifted or expanded. And I feel like I've I've had a few in my life, um, probably you know, the the most impactful was certainly when I first learned that plastic doesn't biodegrade. Um, I've been an environmentalist my whole life. I've, I've studied environmental ethics in college. Um, and my service work, my volunteer work was always centered around ocean conservation. And so I was working for uh, Jean-Michel Cousteau's Ocean Future Society in Santa Barbara, California, for a scientist who basically told me, you know, plastic doesn't break down like a banana peel or a passion fruit. It breaks up into tiny microscopic bits that are irretrievable from the environment. We can't get them back. So that, I, I mean, I was in college at the time. I was going to parties and drinking out of red solo cups and, you know, going to yoga yes. with plastic water bottles and eating salads and plastic clamshells and nachos and styrofoam, you know, just had no idea. And so, still calling yourself an environmentalist, you yeah. know, very much being, thinking you were of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Just had absolute no idea that plastic was creating pollution and desecrating the ocean, my, you know, my playground, my temple, this mm. place that had given me some, you know, I've, I've had an overview effect, a moment, a, an awakening moment, just being underwater and witnessing the marine ecosystem and the, and the mystery and the vastness and just like the diversity of that ecosystem was its own aha moment. But to realize that, oh my gosh, my lifestyle, everyday consumption of these single-use plastics is actually killing our planet and the whales and the dolphins and all my sea creature friends, it just, yes. it, it, it rocked me so hard that that's when I decided of all the things impacting the planet, I, I personally can quit plastics. I don't need to use this ubiquitous but polluting material. Mm. Wow. 
Yeah. It's it's like a, an early life crisis, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> you, you're down this path studying environmental science and then you realize that a lot of the stuff that you're doing are going exactly against everything you say. And yeah. Mm. Well, I was actually studying environmental ethics. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah. I was a philosophy major. So I was, I was already interested in why when humans breathe air and drink water and eat food that grows from the actual earth, from the dirt, from the soil, why do we pollute and, mm. you know, why don't we respect the earth as an extension of ourselves when we are so dependent on nature, on air, on water for our survival, for our health, for, for our, our thriving? Mm. And so to learn about plastic, it just was like, oh, I'm so rattled. Yes. <laughs> it just felt like such an affront. But that's a, and that's a really perfect example of, of how that happens. You know, why, why don't we consider? And do you think, is it because we're detached from seeing the impacts? Is that one of the main reasons? I mean, I'm sure there's a variety of reasons, but we do have this sense of like disconnection from the negative impacts or the consequences of our lifestyles. Mm. And especially when you talk about the example of plastics, that's such a visual example where we put it in a bin and it's gone mm -hmm. and we are not responsible. We don't have any um we don't have any vision on where it goes or what happens to it. That's surely that has to play a key role in that. Totally. We feel absolved of any guilt or shame or responsibility because we've put it in the bin. Mm. We've thrown it away and wherever away is doesn't matter. It doesn't, we're not responsible. Yeah. But I think you're right. We're, we're certainly very disconnected in so many ways, you know, from community, from each other, from our elders or youth, from um, nature, from just so much of our, our heritage, our, our cultural rituals, um, rites of passage, so many things that we are, have been kind of conditioned away from in order to be, you know, this homogenized body of consumers, <laughs> you know, like all buying the same stuff on trend, you know, the seasonal changes, buying the new, buying the next, buying more. And that is our religion. That is our culture of more and... um just witnessing that and, and I think that you're right we're disconnected from where trash goes but now we see it more like I kind of have felt this shift in my work because before I was like hello pollution 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 come on like sharing images and we've all seen the whales washing up with their bellies full of trash and the turtle with the with the straw oh, up its nose iconic. and the seahorse with the earbud yep. that one's the other iconic one yep. yeah so we know it's there so we're seeing it and yet it's still hard to mm. change and I think the reason is just this cognitive dissonance where we just don't know what to do instead it's not an obvious transition plastic sure it's polluting it's killing our oceans and now we even know which is my focus now that it's impacting our endocrine system and our reproductive system it's ending up in our bodies uh, but we still don't have the obvious um, alternatives you know, we don't, plastic is so ubiquitous and convenient and mm. just easy and, and, and so ingrained in our routines and lifestyles that people know it's polluting, know it's bad, you know, know it's bad for turtles or whatever. And yet it's still a part of their life. Yeah. And that's where they just have to be like, you know what? I'm busy. I've got too much on. I'm doing my best. I recycle. You know, that's what I can do. I've got solar panels on the roof. I'm doing my part. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, you said when you, you your focus is shifting. So let's just go back a sec. You've been advocating for pl being plastic-free for what, over a decade. How long mm, have you been plastic-free yeah. now? Um, oh, gosh, it'd be like... 
probably 12 years now. Wow. Yeah. That's huge. It's a long time. <laughs> That's massive. <laughs> and and so when you first started, because 12 years, I don't even know if like Instagram was around 12 years ago or maybe it was in its genesis. I'm not sure. Just but starting. Yeah. yeah. So when you first started, was the message very much just focused around pollution and it was that kind of your focus or um, what was your focus back then and then how is how is that kind of the last 12 years led you on this rabbit hole and expansion to learn and teach us the broader impacts with as you say the recycling industry mm. the links to the oil industry mm-hmm. so many other rabbit holes to go down can you just kind of tell us a bit about your your decade plus of Oh my gosh, what a question. Yeah, I mean, the rabbit hole is, it's the labyrinth down there. Like, it's really, I mean, all of sustainability is, it's mm. just, I mean, you, you just get lost in it. Um, and that's why, you know, I'm, I'm, it's amazing to have a focus of plastic. You know, I am plastic free. I teach about plastics, but even plastics, there's so much to it. You know, like you said, from the very um, extraction of oil and how, how horrible that is for the environment and the, and the low-income communities that typically are negatively impacted by the extraction process and, and the, what's left over um, to the production and the manufacture, which is so polluting. And, um, you know, also, again, uh, minority and, and, I mean, it's just socially unjust the whole way. You know, it's not looking after the workers in those factories and, and the producers of these um plastics whether it's plastic clothing you know the shredding of these these little fibers and cutting of of these plastic materials that are you know plastic is buoyant so all of that is just like fluff in the air and they're breathing it in Mm. um to the distribution you know plastic packaging all over the world and all the different kinds of plastic materials um you know, the West or the Global North uh, receives different packages of Dove shampoo than, say, Southeast Asia, which receives little single-use sachets of Dove shampoo because of the wealth difference. You know, mm. they can afford to buy a day's amount of shampoo, whereas the West buys a month's worth. But both of those are still single-use plastics that aren't being recycled. Um, and those sachets are mixed materials, um, you know, mixed resources. So it's plastic, it's maybe paper, it's maybe some metal in there. That's, you know, just trash. Wow. And then there's the, where it ends up, you know, end of life is it's, if it's being incinerated, you know, creating toxic ash in the air and the water, or if it's being burned and, you know, creating its own pollution there, if it's, um, ending up as trash, if it's ending up in the rivers, releasing its toxins there. It's just, you know, and then it's there for a thousand years. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So like that's... And and it's (laughs) impacting the wildlife and Mm -hmm. then, you know, and then and in the more recent discussion around the the impacts on our health, Mm. these microplastics Mm -hmm. and how plastic, all of our food is wrapped in plastic Mm -hmm. and how whilst it's in contact with the plastic, it's... Mm -hmm rubbing off on our food and then these plastics that break down and find their way into waterways, they mm-hmm. find their way back into our food system, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, it's all it's consuming. Like that's why when, when Dr. Dre, back when I worked in California for the scientist that, you know, gave me that overview effect, she, she nailed it when she was like, it's irretrievable from the environment. Like these are microscopic bits. We can't clean them up because they're the same size as like the base of the food chain. Wow. So we wipe out the base of the food chain, we get rid of the plastics. But that's why focusing on the cleanup 
of plastics is just so missing the mark because we have to w- go way upstream to stop it from being produced to mm. really have impact because cleanup, it's already too late. It's already been produced. It's already in this form that can't be recycled or, or, or rarely is recycled. If anything, it might, it's downcycled. That's the more accurate term. Mm. Um, but I'd love to talk about my Instagram journey and then go more into how plastic behaves in the environment because that... I find is really key part of my messaging now and how it's evolved. Yeah, um, please do. So I, when I first started, I recruited all my girlfriends because we all um, surf and sail and free dive and, and love the ocean. And so I told my girlfriends, you guys, plastic doesn't biodegrade. Um, and they all were just as shocked. And so we banded together and we formed a nonprofit called Save the Mermaids. And we <laughs> would um, dress up like mermaids and go to schools and businesses and city council meetings and just try and share um, the research and the, and the data that Dr. Dre was working on um, in a fun Mermaidy magical. Yes. Because yes. you can't go into schools and tell them everything's messed up. You've got to give them a. a you, you can't know. even go to city council. You know, people are tired. And I, I was just, you know, I was observing the environmentalists around me and standing outside of the supermarkets with their clipboards, like, please sign the petition, please donate. The turtles are dying, you know, yeah. and it was just this fear based kind of like scarcity. Um, mindset or, or just this pleading and people were just so um, repulsed by it you know it, it just wasn't attractive or, or or alluring or drawing people in and um, so yeah we we had some success dressing up as mermaids and <laughs> being a bit more mystical and fun and, and cheeky you know just being playful about it and at restaurants, you know, like, oh, oh, sorry, I don't know straw, please. I'm, I'm a mermaid. I'm from the ocean. And actually, the oceans are full <laughs> yes. of plastic. We don't need any more. And, and you know, just having, creating ways to connect with the other humans that we're trying to share it's this so information important. with. And the humorous element is so important. You know, there's something really, really critical in human connection with humor. Yeah, exactly. We all get it. It's a language we all speak, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and when you're in a costume dressed as a mermaid, you don't even have to speak, you know, English, you know, you can connect through body language and just like playful facial expressions. And, you know, it's, it's children connect with it. Elders connect with it. It's just, it was so fun. And I learned so much through, um, being positive and creating that connection through humor. And then people were, you know, once they were laughing and you'd connected on that human level, they were so much more engaged and willing to hear what I had to say about, the ocean pollution being caused from plastic and you know the city council were more open to seeing our slideshow about you know how the how the amount of styrofoam or the amount of plastic cups that were being distributed in our city um, were ending up in our our waterways and ending up in the oceans and how that was impacting uh, the environment and and where we live so we ended up it was great I I worked on a lot of policy change so I I ended up um, helping write the bill to ban single-use plastic bags in Santa Barbara and then L.A. and then the state of California. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was a cool experience. And all the while, kind of sharing our journey. Um, Instagram had just started, so I was using it mainly as a platform for Save the Mermaids Mm -hmm. and just sharing kind of like the mermaid antics and the funny things that we were getting (laughs) up to. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, and, and then... I and meanwhile I was living plastic free I was navigating 
this commitment I had made or this ethical boundary that I had set against plastics. And, you know, initially I thought it was single-use plastics or cups and bottles and bags and cutlery and straws and takeaway cups. And eventually I realized, like the Dove shampoo example, that shampoo bottles are single-use. We're not reusing those. Um, You know, food packaging is all single-use plastics. Makeup, we're not refilling our mascara tubes. Mm. You know, it's all single-use plastics that we put into the recycling bin and pass that responsibility on to who, you know, we don't even know who's in charge of that. And it changes every council or every district or every town, region you're in. So, oh. you know, and I, it just was, it was so overwhelming to me. And I, I my, my definition of single-use plastics just continued to expand outward. And the more I learned about plastic and how it behaved and how toxic it is, the more I just felt so committed and resolved to yeah, I I don't I can make my own shampoo or you know, I don't need mascara or I don't, you know, I can I will go to the farmers markets and I'll buy all my fresh produce and all of these decisions were bringing me closer to nature and um bringing me closer to a healthier, more fulfilling lifestyle. Mm. So it was, you know, a challenge initially, but it was so rewarding and fulfilling that it wasn't it, it didn't feel hard. It wasn't a hard challenge. It was like an inspiring challenge that continued to like, it was like this beautiful c- cycle upward, which is kind of like that's the cycles of change where you just kind of like you fall off the wagon, but then you get back on and you just totally recommit and you learn and you grow. And so, yeah. And then I started sharing. Um, people were like, wait, how do you, what do you use for shampoo? And um, so I, I shifted my Instagram to be uh, about my lifestyle and how people could also live plastic free or try <laughs> yeah and 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 you've you've done that amazingly and you've um educated people and you've you know you've now written a book I Quit yeah. plastics which is all about that and i love that and you've done an amazing job and as well you've also kept that kind of broader you know focus on the kind of socio-economic background behind it it's yeah. not just here are some tips and tricks you can do but like Here's some things you can do in your life. And this is why it's occurring. Mm-hmm. And this is the, the kind of even broader background behind it and what mm. we all need to focus on from a kind of societal level. Totally. Right? Because, I mean, uh, to take one example that I've learned about in recent years um, is, is, as you touched on it before, the recycling industry, mm-hmm. which, is, which is not the recycling industry, no. right? And we all think... So this is what I've learned. Correct me if I'm wrong or, or jump in here if you've got more. But you put something in your yellow bin mm-hmm. and you're recycling. Yay. Good on Yay. you. All of that stuff in your yellow bin, which you probably haven't rinsed. Maybe you have if you're good, but a lot of you have. A lot of us haven't. Probably your neighbors haven't. Um, goes into, they all get mixed together. They all get picked up by a truck. They all get mixed together. They go to, if you're lucky, a materials recovery facility. Mm-hmm. Um where affectionately if, known as a MRF. A MRF, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love our acronyms here in Australia, a MRF. Um, where, it, again, if you're lucky, it will not be a contaminated load. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you trust your neighbours to do the right thing with their bins because if they haven't, the whole thing goes to Or landfill. you go through their bins and you call them out and you do a little workshop for the community. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if one of your neighbours has done the wrong thing, the whole thing gets landfilled anyway. Yeah, that's right. Um, it then goes through this massive sorting process where all the stuff that we lumped in together, they try to now reverse that process by separating mm-hmm. out your glass and your mm-hmm. cardboard and your plastics and your different types of plastics. The glass which has shattered and is now stuck and fallen down the crevices in the conveyor belt and oh. you know, in the transportation of the 
cardboard it's been spilled on and now no longer desirable by the cardboard buyers and the plastic is all spilled on too and it's sticky and gross and all different kinds of plastics and adhesives from the labels and weird inks and dyes from all oh, that so it's already a corrupted material so who really even wants it anyways <laughs> oh wow and then if it gets through that whole process of which it's not all automated there's a lot of very manual labor involved mm-hmm. in that then the glass doesn't then get made into new glass, or maybe a portion of it does, but the glass will probably get cut down to aggregate and poured into concrete or road base. The cardboard will probably get into some sort of like particle MDF board, Mm -hmm. again, if we're lucky. The, The plastic will not get made into new forms of the same plastic. It'll get, you know, shredded and melted into like, I don't know, shower bases or something like that and the melting is a polluting you know process as well (laughs) in the shower base do you really want your shower like you want plastic there too like (laughs) so this is this is not recycling and and we all go bang in the yellow bin good on me but really we're just delaying the process if Mm -hmm. anything we're actually kind of like adding extra steps in the process for this to eventually end up in the environment anyway right Mm -hmm. it's horrific it is well and the, the hardest thing is james is like you know, people identify as an environmentalist when they recycle. Mm. You know, it's that sort of virtue signaling that like you have that bin and you participate in that system and and that feels enough. Like it it is it's a system that we, you know, it's great because yay, someone identifies as, as an environmentalist because they recycle and then they vote that it influences how they vote. It influences how they shop. It influences their conversations they have. So um, that's a positive, right? But Mm. the recycling, we trust in that. And like you said, it's a broken system. I mean, it was literally invented by the plastics industry when they would started rolling out all these disposable plastics like back around World War II when, um, you know, a lot of the men were off at war and the women were at home raising the children and entering the workforce. And, you know, they were like, here's TV dinners, here's disposable cutlery and plates Mm. and all this stuff. Just, you know, throw it in the microwave, put it on the table and then sweep it all into the trash. But then the trash bins were filling up too quickly. So the plastics industry, ever innovative for their own dime, (laughs) said, how can we get another bin in the kitchen so that it takes, you know, twice as long to fill up? So they put the recycling bin in there and they said, hey... It's all plastic. We'll make it into more plastic stuff. So people were like, amazing. We'll look after it for you. Don't worry. We've got this. (laughs) We can never believe their promises because they then, that then became. A private industry, um, so p- private businesses took on like, okay, we'll be the recyclers, we'll take the glass, we'll take the cardboard, we'll take this new plastic, sure. And um, but it didn't evolve. There, there wasn't the same innovation happening in the recycling industry that was happening in the plastic production. You know, the the oh my gosh, the biggest, most well-funded industry ever, the oil industry. Um, mm-hmm. You know creating this plastics industry and they're just like continuously evolving like what new products can we make how can we make plastic packaging even more appealing to the different you know the lotion manufacturers it has like this special um dispensing head that looks beautiful and like will distinguish you from your competitors and everyone's like i want that new head on the lotion dispenser or you know (laughs) here's a plastic packaging for your technology there's like 10 layers to get through so there's like you no one will ever be able to steal it and it'll be on display beautifully because it's all transparent and clear but so they're you know creating all this amazing new plastic packaging and and new avenues for their oil or their plastic to um be dispersed and yet recycling is 
still as basic as it ever was mm. and you're right it's just there isn't it's not a sophisticated process like the the first stage i mean it's literally everything in a bin it gets all contaminated because like you said we have to rinse and dry all of these materials to get them to their basic you know just glass or just cardboard or just plastic and then it all gets dumped in a bin and then it gets dumped in the back of a truck and then it jump- gets dumped in a pile and then it gets scooped onto a conveyor belt and it goes at the conveyor belt and then there's like a few people with gloves on sorting out like the obvious things and then it goes through like the laser, like the optic, um, what is it called? The optical, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's like different kind of lasers and optical sensors that just <laughs> like there's a magnet there for the metals and oh, this it can detect that this is glass and so it push it like drops down and the plastic gets blown across this direction if it's, you know, uh, HDPE or it's just, wow. it's, it is amazing to see it in action, but it's still so rudimentary like it, mm. it it looks like kind of a um do you remember who's the guy uh that has like the the spring and it jumps into the oh the yes bowl a, that, a rube yeah oh, yeah i know what who's you mean it's like those contraptions and they're all over <laughs> youtube yeah it, you're right it's one of, it's like a willy wonka kind of totally. fa- a, a poor man's willy wonka in a shed basically yeah. right. and you're like this is what our whole waste system is based yeah. on and then the global yeah. waste market is its own mess because no one will buy cardboard anymore from Australia. No one will, yeah. you know, if people aren't buying these things, then they just pile up and, and waste space in these recycling centers that are already struggling. And all of these things um, are actually, there. there is actually financial transactions happening, you know, so all of these things are actually on the ledger, are adding to GDP, are adding yeah. to jobs, so yeah. our measure of success Um when we look at it and we go, that's not success. Mm-hmm. That's not the way we want. And by the way, all of this is if we're lucky. Mm-hmm. Most of it, if we're unlucky, most of it gets shipped off. Like our recycling yeah. industry is just an export industry. Totally. Shove it in a container and send it Another overseas. Another kind of throwing away. Yeah. Crossing yeah. your fingers dump and it hoping on, it dump gets... Dump it on a developing country somewhere. And yeah. I've been on expeditions to see where it ends up in the Philippines and in Indonesia and Kenya. And it is dire you know it's exactly the worst nightmare that we can imagine it's like living you know whole villages that used to live in beautiful tropical paradise that now live in trash heaps and are sorting through western trash you know they're they've never even left their island and they're sorting through australian and you know trash from the states and china and europe it's just it's so irresponsible and that's where I just continuously come back to simplifying and like you said it's it's making these individual changes that's why I keep sharing like you know it's tired for me to be like here's my toothpaste recipe again and like <laughs> use a bamboo toothbrush I'm like haven't I said this a thousand times but it's so important for us to make those individual choices because then we identify as an environmentalist just like the recycling mm. thing and it impacts how we live our life and it impacts how we inspire others around us and it takes my belief is it takes individual action and collective action both together because if we aren't willing to do the individual work we don't believe you know in the collective Mm. like it's not it's never going to get to that collective tipping point or that 3.5 percent that actually is required to make change and get the masses switched over yes we can't just advocate and say oh we shouldn't be making these we shouldn't be making these plastics or it's the corporation's fault when we're not actually changing our mm. own lifestyle. If we're pointing totally, at the business or we're pointing yeah. at the politicians or we're pointing at that group there, but we're not taking ownership for our own impacts. Mm-hmm. 
Why would There's we expect them to? They're making yeah. billions, trillions on yeah. that way of life. Like they will and, never change. And, and we, we force them. And as we continue to go down this really depressing <laughs> rabbit hole, <laughs> um, I just want to mention one more thing. And so what's your take then? So you talked about how um, the, the basically the plastics industry, which is basically the oil industry, yeah. um, kind of invented the, the recycling um, industry. Yeah. Um, what's your take then on these kind of eco substitutes that we're now mm. seeing you know my worry is that um, I'm sure that they, there is a less of an impact but my worry is that we're just substituting yeah. one thing for another and maybe it's not quite as bad but really we're not taking that ownership or we're not making that mindset change we're just going oh well I'm not going to buy that plastic I'm going to buy this plastic instead mm-hmm. and it's better so like the bioplastics yeah, 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 and and mm-hmm. and just like when we chuck something in the yellow bin, we go look how good we are. Mm-hmm. It's the same totally. kind of thing. We're just yep. delaying the change that we need. Absolutely, yeah, I totally agree. I think you know the real change is the system change that everyone is pointing at the corporations for. You know, the, the real change is the collective shift in how we as a, as a collective live. And it's not replacing disposable plastics with disposable bioplastics. That's not the shift that we need. That's not the system change. What we need to replace disposable single-use anything with is reusable, you know, and circular. Mm. You know, we need refillable, repairable, reusable things in place of disposable single-use. So that's that's the sing- that's the system change we need. And we need individuals to be the ones to demand it constantly, vocally, politely and with friendly <laughs> cheer and cheeky charm whatever how, whatever your method is but being an advocate constantly like we don't we're running out of time mm. i mean we're out of time we need to do this now yeah. and i think that's the other thing like you know it can be depressing but that's why i continue to advocate for this individual change is because it feels good you know just like recycling feels good until you realize that recycling is a hoax and a myth. <laughs> then you're like no nothing matters but you should still recycle 100% um, just use less use less materials so that you have less in all of the bins um, but it feels good to make these changes you know we mm. feel good about ourselves. we feel good about how uh, we're contributing to the future uh, of our planet and um, yeah just just making good changes yeah uh, for our ecosystem that we, we rely on I think that's a, and I, and and I think that's a really key point because, and and I probably thought this way in years gone by, and we we do hear it now, you know, and is, is this idea that maybe plastics is such a small issue in the scheme of, you know, climate change or mm. overfishing, and certainly that was a, an element of sea spiracy, mm-hmm. right? Um, was kind of like diminishing the plastic debate because yeah. you know it's fiddling at the margins was kind of the the, the rhetoric, um, whereas. I think what I'm hearing from you is that plastics are a very visual and very um, tangible example of this systems change, yeah. broader systems change we need to bring about. Mm-hmm. So it's actually not about the plastics. I mean, it is because there's so many issues with that. Mm-hmm. But the bigger, even bigger thing is that, um, well, I mean, your book, I Quit Plastics, you do that, you break out of the kind of... Mm-hmm societal mold the the system that you grew up in yeah. and you go wow i've broken out of that and i've created this new way of living what else can i do mm-hmm. how else can i live that's right right and that's that is a huge really important thing i mean mm. that sovereignty yeah like yeah. reclaiming our place on this planet not just a part of this like consumer society but just really feeling in and being like oh i here i am you know in this beautiful place on this beautiful planet that is so 
naturally diverse and fascinating and we still know so little about it especially the oceans and and reconnecting to that wonder and appreciation to nature and, and just being able to choose more of how we live our lifestyle instead of being like ushered around and and just you know finding ourselves in these shopping malls and these giant conglomerates of of brands and businesses that are all owned by these same gigantic mega corporations <laughs> you know it's I just know. like it's like what is that what life is like yeah. no it's not and when we can connect to something greater than ourselves like the environment or the planet or um even even like an an ethical code that values um values the earth or our culture, our community, or or the people around us more than just our own self-preservation. That is so fulfilling. Mm. You know, that feels good in all the deep spots. You know? Yes. It's like that keeps us healthy and happy and, and gives us purpose. Yes. And, and that is a really different way of approaching it rather than just... Um, look at all of these issues and trying to guilt people into it. Oh my and gosh, we cannot shame people. It's yeah. not sustainable. <laughs> yeah, and and I think it's like, look at all these issues. Yeah. That, that's still part of the conversation and look at a different way of living. Yes, right? and that's what really frustrated me about Seaspiracy is there is absolutely no room in this movement or any movement for that matter for like criticism of other people working on straws over mm. nets. There is no room for shame or blame or guilting. We are all in this together. It's like, you know, we all have to support each other. Yes, mm. shame and blame the corporations. Yes, shame and blame the, you know, corrupt seafood industry and the, um, you know, name them, name those organizations, name those corporations so that the keyboard warriors go after them. But naming the plastics organizations because they've been focusing on straws mm. was just such a, a waste. It was such a miss for me. I was so frustrated. I mean, a lot of those people are my good friends that I've been in the movement with for a decade. Mm. And they got into this with the same heart that he did, mm. this, this filmmaker. They wanted to protect the oceans. They care yeah. about the earth. That's their intention. I know. That's I, their motive. I felt the same. <laughs> I, I, I was really excited about the concept of it. And I thought, this is. I love the intent. And I yeah. love the broad reach and I love the platform. And then as I watched it, I was going, oh, he's coming at it. <laughs> I know. I, I, I was like that. I was like... I don't hate him, and I, yeah. I like that he's shining a I lot of the it. light on, the, on on these major issues, and good on him for that. But I was like, man, such a missed opportunity mm -hmm. because he's creating divisiveness exactly. within the environmental movement, within humanity, and but also coming from a place of I know better, mm -hmm. I know more than you was kind of the the underlying yeah. message I heard well, from why him. Why aren't you doing nets? Why, why, how mm. are you doing? How could you ever think to do straws? Mm. And it's like that's the low hanging fruit that people relate to. Like yeah. I've never in my life needed. No one needs a straw. We've got lips they work fine mm. you know yeah. no one needs yeah. a straw and yet so many people use them on a daily basis and it was such a, a no one cares about straws issue that it was easy for governments that were being pressured to ban single-use plastic bags but also pressured by these incredibly wealthy lobby groups from the oil industry and the plastic industry to not ban plastic bags and you know they were like oh straws nobody really cares that's so important because that sets the political precedent mm. that we can then build on for more plastic bans and the thing that absolutely drove me crazy was Seaspiracy came out right when um, the Break Free from Plastic Act was uh, being looked at by Congress. And so these organizations that were working on straws because, Jesus, like, fuck straws, nobody cares, but people will ban them. And they had built on that to get this, this bill into Congress. And instead of being able to garner more support for this bill that they needed, more signatures and, and public support, 
they were having to turn off their comments because they were being mm. personally attacked by not focusing on nets. Mm-hmm. So like they're just completely derailing all of this amazing work that they've been working on for years before I even had any you know awareness of the plastic issue before this guy was maybe even born mm, yeah know? yeah yeah it's just like oh i know i know and and it's not to discredit the whole seaspiracy movie there was a lot of really valid points totally. made in there and a really important message but i just go and we talked just before about um you know it's it's maybe not about the actual I mean, it is, but it's the broader thing is stepping out of that paradigm and changing yeah. your approach mm-hmm. and changing your mentality. And if you're just substituting fish for a, a, a processed fish alternative, right? Exactly. Then That's wrapped in plastic. There's no different <laughs> than you know than substituting your landfill bin for your recycling bin. Like you're not mm-hmm. changing your mentality and your approach towards mm. these issues. You're just going, well, look at me. I'm not eating fish. I'm eating a, a processed soy version of fish. So look how good I am. You and know? it's just that virtue signaling of like people valuing, still valuing self and ego and what other people think of them instead of being like so deeply connected to something that really, truly matters and really fulfills them, you know, um, and, and that's the that's the hard part is like, you know, how do we really influence behavior change that isn't just what people are doing in front of other people when other people are looking, yes. you know, or what yes. they can put on social media. But how can we really influence this systemic change from within our beings? Like, and it is about connection. It's about having more nature connection. It's about having relationships with our farmers. It's about having these conversations where we look each other in the eye and we're in person. We've got the birds singing. It's about talking, making time to talk with our elders. It's about getting our hands dirty and growing our food those are like these slowing down these changes Mm. that really help us to live a more connected lifestyle and make it more doable to go without the 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 lunch that's in a plastic container or you know to remember to bring our own cup or making these different or like oh i'm not going to get all that because my recycling bin i know it doesn't really work so i don't want to deal with that because i don't trust it you know, taking responsibility back into our own selves, Mm. being that sovereign being that's like, I'm going to make these choices right now for the future, for even for like my own lack of stress, sorting my bins. Yeah. And, and just being comfortable with that. Um, And, and you're right. Once you, once you get there and it is a journey, you know, mm -hmm. it's, and it's easy for us to sit here and say, this is the way everyone should live. Just grow your own food and (laughs) chat with elders. Go to your farmer's market, man. Um, (laughs) But um, once you, it is a journey, but once you kind of get there, it's like no longer are you doing the, for example, the homework on which corporation do I need to support mm. because, you know, I want to make the most ethical choice. Yeah. You're just like, well, I'm not supporting any of them because I'm making it myself. Exactly. <laughs> you know, or I'm supporting the local you. maker. You yeah. know, like, I, yeah. okay, one of the things I come up against a lot is people don't have enough time, mm. you know, and I, which I, I like secretly giggle at because I'm like, oh, you don't have enough time to make your own. Um, nut milk but you have time to like scroll through hectic social media for hours like Mm. when you should be sleeping and you keep yourself up for more hours you know it's it's not that you don't have enough time it's it's all about mental reframing Mm -hmm. you know it's like okay if I can reframe this less as oh this is going to take me five minutes like I really don't have five minutes to spare it's like I'm going to invest five minutes in my health in the environment in like the beauty of life whatever you whatever it takes for you to mentally like make that worth it for you or like you know tapping into like your why why Mm. you care about this stuff and you make that 
almond milk. It is delicious. It's so satisfying. It's not full of preservatives. It's not packaged in plastic. You know, it's not been sitting on a shelf for a year. Like it's fresh and you hopefully got those nuts from your bulk food store from like your local macadamia farmer it's mm. we're, we're reconnecting to our local ecosystem in a way that is healthier for our bodies as well and so i see us as buying time we, we spend five minutes there we're adding five minutes onto our lives or maybe you know five days or five months yes. it's it's that longer term thinking that we have been kind of bred out of we've been conditioned to be so myopic and like in the moment, the present moment, this convenient, I'll just order delivery takeout right now because it's convenient and I'm hungry and I just can't be bothered to go to the stores. Yes. It's changing when, the framework. And, and uh, 100%. And sometimes uh, my framework, it depends what your framework is, sometimes my framework is like, you know, that kind of like, I'm going to rage against the machine, I'm going to be an activist, yeah. I'm going to make my own almond milk, you know, <laughs> right. because when I do that, <laughs> screw you corporations, I'm not a slave to you, yes. you know, like whatever the way you want to frame it, but that's... That's a really important part mm-hmm. of it. And I think that urgency, <laughs> like that same sort of like activist mindset is what so many people attach to or feel so um, drawn to with the vegan movement. And and the same as the mm. director, or like the guy from Seaspiracy, he was full of that passion, mm. you know, and I've been there. I get it. So I fully related to him. Like I've been that person, person rushing to talk about plastic science that hasn't really been, you know, um, peer-reviewed or you know it has it, i'm like oh we need to get this information out there and the scientists are like whoa like it's slow down mermaid like it's not <laughs> legit yeah like we're not comfortable with you spreading that across the headlines so i get that urgency to make a change like especially these kids who are studying climate change in school or the climate crisis and they're like oh my gosh what can i do i'll be vegan mm. and and it's just that one sentence i definition or one sentence ideology that they just cling to and they feel so good about and they should and it I get frustrated when it's just that one sentence and it's not thinking about okay well what's the impact if I'm eating all of these plastic packaged foods and what's the impact if I'm not getting my proper nutrition you know and and people end up with like you know health problems down the road because they weren't they were malnourished or they weren't Mm. getting enough protein or not getting enough vitamins or minerals or whatever it is um because of this one sentence and and not going deeper and that's you know maybe that's another conversation about our attention span or lack of research uh, experience but yeah it's 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 a tricky one because i want to say yes eat more plants absolutely um but understand why you know why we're eating plants and and understanding that it's supporting local plants you know going to the farmer's market whole fresh whole foods that really is the lifestyle that's helping the planet and it's Mm. not these packaged processed quote quote mark like you know finger quote foods (laughs) they might be edible but they're not nourishing your body yes 100 percent. i'm 100 percent with you i mean i i personally am vegan and i've done i've been through that i think all vegans have been through that angry vegan stage where they want to like tell everyone about Mm -hmm. it and i'll do the talks at the vegan festivals and all that kind of stuff and good for you yeah and i I still am but it's the the mentality has shifted over time to not be one of like this is right that's wrong but it's like Yes, Again, yes, and, mm-hmm. you know, yes, this is important, and there's a broader context, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, what but, made you go vegan? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, for me, it was, it was well, it was vegetarian 10 mm-hmm. years ago, 10, 9, 10 years ago, and it was um, like intuition, to be honest. It wow. was like I didn't feel good eating. This was before I was on social media or knew, even really knew what vegan was, mm-hmm. and I just didn't feel great eating a lot of meat. Um, grew up in a classic like meat and three veg kind of mm-hmm. um, household 
and uh, and I just trialed it and felt good and I just went on feel yeah. and so and that worked for me right and and then over the over the years I just kind of cut out more and more I cut out dairy and then mm. cut out other animal products and and I just feel good mm. and so I can understand when people say to me I went vegan and I didn't feel good mm-hmm. you know how can I argue with that because mm-hmm. I went on what I felt not mm-hmm. on what um an expert told me Mm. Right, and so when people say I'm going with what makes me feel good, I go, okay, well that's what I did. Mm-hmm. So how, who am I to tell you that's wrong? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a different. <laughs> it's coming from a different place yes. from a lot of the other kind of vegan activists out there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and that, that is a whole other conversation. Um, <laughs> but it's but, so relevant, right? Like it's kind of this parallel thing that I personally watch very closely because I'm like, wow, how can people? switch vegan overnight you know their diet their food that they eat you know Mm. three more times a day they're eating food and they completely revolutionize what they put in their body but they won't revolutionize the plastic like i'm 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 really i couldn't believe how many people got up in arms and then all of a sudden quit eating fish overnight after seaspiracy when i'm like but what about plastic like (laughs) like all the plastic in the ocean it's from so much of it is from our food waste. And that was the frustrating thing about this quote that, um, or the stat that he kept talking about, like, oh, pl- see, like these nets are the biggest uh, pollutant in the ocean, when that was actually a stat from the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, which is, you know, a decades old garbage patch that, yeah, the, the fishing equipment is meant to be in the ocean. So it's the most durable. So it has withstood the weather mm. and the test of time. Whereas the food wrappers, all of that the soft plastics, down. that has a, um, yeah, it's not, it's not buoyant. It, it has like a, um, what is it, volume to surface ratio that makes it sink because it's it's got more surface area than it has volume sorted and it just sinks faster. So it's these these hard plastics like buckets and buoys and ropes and things that are meant to be buoyant yes. that linger in the in the trash dryer, whereas the soft plastics sink straight away and break up into these irretrievable microplastics that are ending up in our water and our you know, they found it in the placenta. You know, it's just everywhere. Wow. And so I'm like, wait, how is how are the nets that yes they are trapping you know um the sea creatures and we absolutely need to target that absolutely absolutely but like why is plastic still okay (laughs) for all of our vegan foods and everything it's just like but i'm studying that like that is what i'm really interested in yeah it's a really interesting dynamic Mm -hmm. and there is a whole nother conversation there and perhaps we can do it um another time yeah one one um question i do want to um want to ask you before we land this is um you know you've you've been plastic free mermaid for uh-huh. over a decade now do you delineate is there a separation between kate and plastic free mermaid is it one and the same do you will you forever be plastic free mermaid like what's the and mm. i ask because there are a few other people out there that um use a kind of a persona to get a message across you know i've mm. recorded the conversation with jimmy Halfcut, you know and it's mm. like are you gonna have half a beard for the rest of your life like <laughs> you know so <laughs> i'm just curious how do you mm. see that kind of persona playing out and and well first of all is it distinct from who you are or is it very much who you are and mm. how do you see that playing out over time what an interesting question i've never been asked that Um, I think, you know, I I feel so connected to being a mermaid. I think so many of us that live here do, just having such an ocean-centric lifestyle. 
it it really is what keeps me balanced, you know, going for swims and surfs and, and diving around even just the wrecks here in Byron and sailing and, and um, being near the ocean is so much a part of me. So I feel, you know, very... Um, very connected to the identity as, as like a sea or water woman or mm. a mermaid. So I, I don't feel like that is, and, and a lot of my friends refer to me as mermaid. So don't even use my name, Kate, which is yeah. like sweet, <laughs> you know, it's hilarious. Um, and I'll, another great conversation starter for me to just sneak in my, <laughs> my messaging onto new unsuspecting well, people. Well, in, uh, around this region, people just probably think that is your name and your parents are hippies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just or that I'm actually from the ocean yeah. and I'm just like still working on getting my tail back um yeah so uh i don't know i I definitely have felt limited by the plastic free at some stages um because you know once i had my climate awakening which was maybe another overview effect i don't know how many we get i guess Mm. astronauts only see the earth from space once but um yeah you know having having that uh that awakening about all the other things impacting our planet i just felt like man am i just you know when can i just be mermaid you know when can i just be comfortable living in nature in my community you know kind of that simple life that i preach um where you bake your own bread and you grow your own food and you don't have to spend the majority of your time trying to understand behavior change and why people won't quit plastics and what how can i present this in a in a more persuasive way like okay i need to talk about how it leads to infertility and heart disease and cancers is that going to be motivating but how can i pitch Mm. that from a a positive way that's going to inspire change instead of create more apathy or or um so i i feel so committed to um the work and you know i definitely feel called like it it feels like um I'm so on path and on purpose, and I feel so grateful to have that very clear um, connection to purpose. And it's kind of like, you know, Seabin's mission is to live in a world that doesn't need Seabin's. Yeah. I feel the same. I I'm like, I've, I aspire, I will be plastic-free mermaid until I can be just mermaid because mm. we've solved it. <laughs> yes. I love that. I love that. <laughs> and just hope that that day comes. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Kate, um, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation. It's really beautiful to have Mm. a big, bold, broad conversation like this. Um, And even more so, you know, thank you for the work that you have done and continue to do. It's really important. And you do an amazing job at um, advocating and engaging people in these really important parts of our world. So thank Mm. you. Thank you, James. It's been such a pleasure to chat and connect on such a beautiful level with you. I know. And to have all the birds flying around. (laughs) I know. I hope you guys could actually hear us chatting and the bird chatter wasn't I feel like shortly after we started, there was just a, my son calls them a bird storm. They just like went crazy. So we'll see how that turns out, but that's okay. I'm happy to keep it pretty raw. Awesome. Thank (laughs) you. Thanks, Kate. (laughs)